Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You better not have no plans tonight. Every time and it's feeling right You're looking for a love that lasts We'll find it at Romance in the Podcast Ooh, ooh baby, had me a hello Ooh, I love you I know Ooh, ooh baby, you're the wind beneath my wings Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having Thank you for tuning in to Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Todd. And this week joining us is Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Actually, I'm Mikey Randolph. I just went on a date with a woman who was made mostly of teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how was that during the oral portion of the date? Dangerous? (laughs) I don't know because I'm Mikey Randolph. (laughs) 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 He never closes, ladies. Oh, I thought it it was a he never gets to the oral part. That that was the joke to me. Uh, he never gets around to it, I should say, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But also, he'll never hear this, so. That is true, because he's not here for this conversation, because he's on vacation this week, and he famously doesn't listen to this podcast. Yes. He famously doesn't listen to anything, yeah. So he won't get to hear us talk about Bros, Bros, which is the movie I picked for today. You did. You had not seen it before today. No, I had not. We talked about it a lot last year, uh, and I remember we like read articles about it like around Pride Month last year, although it didn't even come out till October, I think. Yeah, it came out in the fall. Yeah, but I wanted to see it when it was out, and I just didn't get around to seeing it in theaters, and then I held off on watching it so I could watch it fresh, because I knew I would want to do this for Pride Month this year. Yeah, of course. Paige and I saw it together in the theaters. We saw it together in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. Watching it together in a theater full of other queer people is a very different experience than watching it on your laptop with your straight boyfriend. <laughs> different vibes. Different vibes. Very different vibes. Very oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, I watched it alone with my cat, which which felt a, about as queer as seeing it in the theater, so I had a good time. That's double pussy action, ladies. Double pussy action. No, we, we watched it in theaters together and cried. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I cried today watching it. Oh, I cried today watching it again. Yeah, absolutely. So on a second watch, I would say longer than I remembered. I remembered it being long in theaters, but I wasn't mad at it because I enjoyed it the whole time. Yeah. Yes. But when I got out of it, what I realized, like also having like a straight man with me while I watched it and, you know, like 
it that's like a different kind of feeling than being in a room mm-hmm. full of like queer people that are like, wow, this is our fucking moment. Like yeah. fucking finally. I realize that because there aren't queer dating films or because mm-hmm. most queer dating films are like, it's like a hetero relationship. Like they try to put them in that box. Right. He was doing queer world building. So Yeah, he had to. Yes. So part of that two hours is like, hey, so in our community, yeah. this is what it's like. This is what we've gone through. This is what we've yeah. had to overcome. And so there is a lot of like queer history and queer world building that happens because he wants straight audiences to understand it. Yes. And then there's all these hilarious queer jokes like thrown at you every second so yes it makes sense to me but i also like it is a little long i think as a film but i understand why it is you know i will say see seeing it in a theater because we did see it like opening week i think like we went yeah. like early <laughs> well because it's everything queer like all the yes. actors who play someone queer are actually queer yes and that is and he was so adamant about doing that and i mm-hmm. was like i want more of this to exist so i want to go see it in theaters to yes. to help it do well at the box office like that was yeah, really important to me the whole reason why we went and like yep. seeing it in, and because we went so early we did see it in in a theater full yeah of, of lgbtqia plus people and every joke hit and it was one of those things where I was like if if you saw this in any other theater if you just watched it with a whole group of straight people so much of this would go over their head and to watch it and collectively laugh about it so amazing and like even as a straight person who has just hung out with gay people for the last 20 or so years uh, it was real fun to see a lot of that stuff on screen that we just have not seen before and uh i will argue the most realistic depiction of podcasting (laughs) uh ever in a film that is fair yes (laughs) that's so so real uh i vibe with that absolutely i wish i had seen this in theaters i do think andrea that pacing is an issue in the movie like it does feel slow Mm -hmm. at parts um but I don't know. I didn't care really because I was super into it. It does. I don't know. I I saw someone online say it felt very preachy to them. And I don't think it felt preachy because I didn't know a lot of that stuff. And I wanted that context. So at the end of the movie, I understood the payoff. Right. So like, yes, I sort of dug all of those like him explaining things to me who I mean, unfortunately, I am not super socially aware because of my upbringing. So like some of that stuff as a like I grew up a cis white male in the church, you know, like a super conservative church. So like a lot of that I needed context for i do have a lot of gay friends now i have two gay friends who just got back from p-town yeah. okay oh yeah it is p-town season huh yeah so <laughs> so like now i i i know that but like a lot of stuff about like this is gonna sound crazy but like how gay sex quote-unquote works no idea like lost on all of that because that's not something that i was interested in at a young age and i don't really talk to my friends about that you know like yeah, I would never ask my some of our closest friends are husbands and I would never be like, hey, how do you fuck your husband like that? That's just a, it's a yeah. weird thing to no, ask a friend. You right? wouldn't. <laughs> so like I just didn't have context for any of that. But I appreciated like learning that in this. I think that if you think that gayness is a choice or a lifestyle, you would find it preachy. 
But I think that the point of the film, and this is actually something we talk about on Podvant a lot, is queer erasure has been going on for so long in history because it was not acceptable to be queer. Oh, and well, they talk about it a lot in this movie. They did. And I think that what he's trying to do, and here's the other thing too, is you have to remember queer people have not had a chance to actually just tell their story without it being like, can you tone it down? And the whole point of this movie and of his character specifically is I shouldn't have to tone myself down all the time to make you comfortable. And that is what he's saying, not just to his partner, but the audience at large is like, I'm tired of having to tone my queerness down all the time for your comfort. And he didn't at all in this film. And that's part of why he brings up like the ancient Egyptians being queer. Abraham Lincoln was notably had a man who slept in his bed with him for many years. And people were like, yeah, they were just like really close friends. It's not weird. They're roommates. They're (laughs) roommates. Yeah. It's not fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah. And we cover this on Podvant Guard a lot because a lot of artists turns out fucking queer. Like (laughs) I I know that predominantly so. (laughs) I was gonna say, like most of the creative people I know, I mean it's a spectrum, obviously, but a lot of I think gay people and queer people do sort of drift to the arts. It's yeah. it's a spectrum. This is what is hilarious. When my best friend and I were in high school, we we're like, oh, it, it, people would say, you if you're an artist, you're either gay or crazy, essentially. And yeah. we're like, haha, we're not gay, must be crazy. She's married to a woman now, and I'm definitely queer. So like, we're both for sure. It runs together. Like, there is something about the idea that I think that social norms are dumb and I don't want to follow them and I would be yeah. okay having sex with a woman. Like that is all together the same thing, I think, in a lot of instances. But the fact that people feel like they have to kind of hide that for straight people's comfort is like dumb. And so he's like, yeah. what if we made a movie where we did it? And that was like his chance. So I feel like he packs so much in because he's like, we might not get another chance. Like this might be the only one. Which is also why you and I saw it the first week because we were like, we need to make sure they have more chances. We'll talk about this when we talk about how much money it made. But when I saw how much money it made, I felt so bad about not seeing it in theaters. I I, I wish I had. Because this, I, honestly, I like this movie. I thought it was pretty fucking great. I love this movie. I think it's hilarious. It is. It is so funny. It's I very mean, funny. I, I just think that, well, and I don't know why it didn't do great in the theaters, but it breaks my heart that it didn't make money. Because when I looked it up, I was like, I bet this made really good money. It's Billy Eichner. No. He's hilarious. And, you know, LGBTQ movies have come out and done okay. You know, like mm-hmm. it wouldn't be insane for it to make money in theaters, I think. Uh, but it didn't, unfortunately. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but. Straight people really like when gay people are tragic and sad and someone yes. dies of AIDS. Or coming out. Or coming instead out. Instead of just existing as gay. Yeah. When I first actually asked my current partner, hey, would you like to see this film with me? His first response was no, because he assumed because it was a love story about two queer men that one of them would die or there would be some type of assault or there would be some type of violence. And he's like, I just don't like watching films with gay men because someone always gets like beat up or killed or raped or something else. 
And I was like, oh, none of that happens in this movie. <laughs> it's just a love story. Enough, yeah, it's yeah. just a love story. <laughs> but I think there's this idea that if there is queer romance, there has to be some type of pain. And I mm-hmm. think it's because, yes, that pain has definitely existed in the past. And the AIDS epidemic was real. Fuck. Like, those stories are real. Those yeah. stories happen. And they're so close to the time period we're in. Like, when they go and stay with yes. their friend at P-Town. He was of that yeah. generation that was killed off. Yes, he was in Mrs. Yes. Doubtfire. I honestly, I loved seeing him in this movie. I don't want to derail your thought though, but I, they're so close that he's not like an old old man. Like he's sixty, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. C- continue. But I think that's part of the point of the film, though. Is like this is all of that pain and all of that stuff is real, and it's within the living memory of the queer community. Yeah. But like baby queers in some ways are not going to have to live maybe that same struggle, but we're going through that struggle again right now with the fascist pushback, the Christo-fascist pushback of teaching about the fact that gay people exist and it's fine that they exist. Mm -hmm. So we sort of experience like a wave of like, this is okay. But I think this film came out kind of right at that crux of like, we're seeing this rise in bigotry and hatred again, and we don't want to forget how hard we had to fight to be able to even just be here and to live. Yeah. So all that stuff is like very real and very present, but it's still a, it's still a rom com. It's still fun. Oh, that yeah. violence doesn't happen to them specifically, but it's important to the story to mention like all of this violence exists as, in our community and continues to exist for a lot of people. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a history nerd, so I love like the nuggets of history teaching you actually get in this movie. It's so good. Some of yeah, it, it's great. Some of it I already knew because I was fortunate enough to stumble upon a documentary like I don't know ten years ago called How to Survive a Plague that was all about the ACT UP movement in New York and that eventually went nationwide oh. during the AIDS epidemic and that silence equals death chocolate box triangle that, that yeah. it's the circle with the triangle in it that is their logo like that yeah. documentary like really shows you how terrible it was during the aids epidemic because it, it's just such a good and sad documentary i you have to watch it it's so great but it gives you a lot of context you just for... said it's such a good and sad documentary while laughing and that makes it harder for me to believe todd <laughs> so i actually have this social disorder that when i'm trying not to cry publicly i start to laugh oh and let me tell you when you're trying not to cry slash laughing at your brother's funeral that doesn't go too well (laughs) yeah i'm sure that does not yeah that's a real thing i'm not even making that up like that's not a bit that's a real this does explain why you find my childhood so hilarious (laughs) and i feel so if you ever see me laughing during a long time just know i don't want you to see me crying and that's why i'm laughing yes it's hot this is a safe space but he does also cry during rom-coms yeah. Tom I and do. I cry in a lot of the same movies I do I, well it's something I'm working on in therapy so I'm getting uh, more okay with crying publicly uh, I will say that the silence equals violence chocolates are one is one of my favorite jokes in the film it's because pretty it's, great it's so for him to be like look I did this <laughs> this thing and you're like oh god oh no <laughs> uh, I I love that I love a joke that is that dark and yeah. played that casually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, oh, I'll wait till we get there, but I have a lot of feelings about his chocolatier journey. I loved that 
when he quit his job, he was like, he quit his job to do something he had been dreaming about doing since he was like eight years old. And then the lady who walked yes. over the office was like, I quit my job too to do this thing that probably happened a month and a half ago. And then she blew up on TikTok yes. or whatever. Yep. And it's not even a good impression, <laughs> no, which is my it's favorite. Yeah. It's not I mean, yeah. But like the fact that she was not at all interested in him giving up his staple job to follow a dream he's had for 30 years <laughs> to do. I don't know. I thought it was so funny. It just made me laugh so hard. For me, all I could think is I hope he has a lot of savings because chocolates, yes. chocolatiers do not make as much as lawyers. And that's a nice ass apartment. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping he just like had written himself into enough wills that had gone through the system that he was set up mm. for life already. Yeah. That would be really smart. Like, hey, Cher doesn't need all that money. Maybe I, I do. Yes, exactly. Help a fella out. Do you like these abs? You know what I'm I saying? I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be like super pissed if a fan left uh, the horror virgin or romance in the pod money in their will. That'd be cool. Please. Hey, so I get it. Send Cher your money. That's all I'm saying. I don't care. Should we maybe go through the movie scene by scene? Let, yeah, no, let's let's talk about this movie. Although I just looked up because I remembered um, you mentioned box office. And when this originally came out, it did not do well. Uh, and Billy Eichner, like, literally tweeted about it and was like, yo, straight people. <laughs> like, you, you say that you want this, but, like, you got to go see it. And I was like, yeah. That is kind of why I think we I think I saw the tweet. I think because I think I follow Guy Bronham and he. Yeah tweeted it and that's why I was like oh and I, I guess I didn't realize until he tweeted about it that he specifically was like we're only gonna do actual queer people like this is gonna be a real you know yeah real experience yeah anyway I feel no <laughs> guilt because we went but I wish it had done better I really yeah. do because Same I feel seas. like I feel like there's a lot in this even for straight people to enjoy and laugh at and I do like that it's not, it is not a straight coded queer movie. Does that make no. sense? Yeah. That's what I loved about it too. And because I was like, you know, this reflects more of what I see in my, my gay friends and the relationships I have with gay people yeah. than any other fucking Hallmark movie has done. I'm an old white straight man. And I dug this movie. Like I, I know, right? The jokes are good. They are. They're, They're good. Super it's fucking well funny. written. It's really funny. Yes. And honestly, like I love that the love story doesn't have sort of anything to do with their gayness or whatever. Like they are gay no. men. That's obviously a part of it. But like Billy Eichner's issue is that like he doesn't think he deserves love, and like we see someone struggle with that. And how that comes out for him. That's one of the most relatable parts of this film. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I love that for yeah. his boyfriend, it's a it's a different thing. I think they're two fully fleshed out characters, yes. unlike yes. every other rom com we do. Yes. No, I loved that about the movie. I would say they're more fleshed out than a lot of the rom coms yes. that you do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. Which makes you feel for them more. It does. Like at the end of this movie, if you're not crying, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, or I, oh, I stop. But if you are laughing at those moments, I think what's wrong with you is what's wrong with me. So like, I get it like that. <laughs> it is one of those movies where like it, it is affecting and, and sad. And like when we saw it in theaters, we were both crying, but yeah. then there are still jokes happening. And oh, so you yes. end up like laughing and crying at the same time. But I love it. I, I love a movie that is not afraid to be deep emotionally, but also very like funny, like be yeah. sad and funny at the same time. Do it. 
I feel like he has kind of that one little monologue about essentially being not everyone's cup of tea and having to be in his own corner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sobbed just buckets because I was like, oh, I feel that like. I'm not gay, but that's a universal experience. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Like the, I think the insecurities that lead to the issues in the relationship on both sides have nothing to do with their sexuality. It has everything to do with their personality. And they're so real. Yes, yes that's they are I, very yeah, real exactly. problems. I love that about this yes. movie. I don't think it has nothing to do. Like I think part yeah. of the crux of it is that like Billy Eichner is so like Billy Eigner feels like he has to educate straight people about queerness all the time. Yeah. And Aaron's character is like, hey, it's my family. Can we just kind of get along? Like Aaron's character is used to straight coding more. Like he yes. can straight code. He can he can code switch. He can look straight. He can be one of those guys. He can just be a lawyer. People don't have to know about his personal life. He doesn't have to tell his parents every single thing he's doing and bring home a partner. And part of that, it's not that he is trying to appear straight, but it's it is safer for him. Yes. To f to uh, be more straight appearing and like make other people comfortable. And Billy Eichner is like, I can't pass. So I can't. I've never been able to pass. I've never been able to pass. That's his whole thing of like, uh, they told me I, my singing voice was too gay. So I have, I can't be on radio. Like they told me yeah. I can't be all these things because I was too much, because I was too gay. And now that's what you're telling me as my gay lover you're saying I'm too gay or I'm too much for you right now. Right. The one place where I shouldn't be too much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or is too when gay we are is fucking. with my gay <laughs> or lover. Or too gay. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought that was because Billy grew up in New York City where I bet mm. it was way more accepting than it was for his boyfriend's character who grew up in like upstate New York in the suburbs where yeah. clearly is not as accepting uh, not that, I mean, Billy, I would say, doesn't te steal something that they say in Drag Race a lot, doesn't pass straight at all. Like, Billy yeah. doesn't. Yeah. And I'm sure as a kid, didn't. Uh, and his boyfriend, I could see very easily passing for straight, you know? Absolutely. Um, so it could also be that. I didn't think about that in the moment, but when you said it, that made sense to me, too. For me, it was always passing and, and I identify that too like there's a lot of different ways that people can like not pass just like in society yeah so mm -hmm. like hearing his conversation about it I was like oh it's like being a fat person being told to make yourself smaller all the time like yeah. that's a, yeah. a version of it that makes sense to me but that's something that you can't take off like yeah his not being able to pass is just him and so like even when he does the fake voice which he is strangely good <laughs> it's so funny it's i love so that funny. bit hey that it worked so on good. joel or whatever that guy's name was it worked like, on joel yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it worked on joel but even that he can't like completely pass or or anything so i always interpret it as like i've never been able to pass this is just who i am yeah and being who i am has cost me opportunities absolutely so, like, that's how i always read it although i mean there's definitely also an undertone of just Aaron being raised different in in a more yeah. like just generalized straight way. <laughs> yeah. Garth Brooks, though. There's a lot of rumors about Garth Brooks, you know. Really? 
Garth Brooks yeah. is, I would say, I the most that. LGBTQ country star for sure. I don't know if you heard about the Bud Light scandal that happened with Garth Brooks, but he recently was just because he owns a bar here on Broadway. And he, yeah, yeah. he said something, I'm going to paraphrase, to the effect of, yeah, we're going to serve Bud Light at my bar because we just serve anything people might want to drink. If you're the kind of person that doesn't like other people because of who they love, you can go to a another bar on Nashville where you can be an asshole there. And I was I like, I love it. Nice. Well done, Garth. There's also Chris Gaines, his alter ego. Well, for that one album. Yeah. When he sort of went insane late 90s. Wait, what? Wait, do you not know about Chris Gaines, Andrea? No. Yes, what is Chris this? Gaines. Here's the thing. <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest. Don't like country. Not a country fan. I was listening yeah. to hip hop and getting yelled at at the Apple Donut store. Like, <laughs> T- Try growing up in Nashville not liking country music. Oh, God. Yeah. But it was all that anyone wanted to play and I hated it. So I don't really know the ins and outs of the Garth Brooks universe. Garth Brooks' son started singing in the 90s under the name Chris Gaines. You should Google it right now. You should Google it. Yeah. This is Garth Brooks' son. Yes. It no, definitely it, it is. It is Garth Brooks' alter ego. <laughs> Damn it. Why it did you Garth tell Brooks her alter I was gonna... <laughs> The second she Googled it, the first thing it says is, Chris Gaines is a uh, one-off fictional rock persona created as a movie character. Okay. What's a good one? Should I listen to one of these? No. no. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very much more of an effeminate-coded, queer-coded character that he used as a air quotes rock persona. Yeah, but look at any rock star from that time. They look the same. Why does he look like Chris Angel Mind Freak? They do look the same. He does look like Chris Angel Mind Freak. That is true. I mean, <laughs> but that is, is also coded. Like, I mean, look at Twisted Sister, like hyper coded in drag. Like they were just dudes in drag. Yes. Yeah. Right? And so not that all rock stars in the 90s looked like Twisted Sister, but like they definitely did skew more effeminate, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a thing. For sure. If you watch Garth Brooks' social media, even to this day, it's a strange, strange world. <laughs> that is a very strange what? man. <laughs> Gay, straight, whatever in between. He is a strange person. And I think that has led a lot of people to speculate. Oh, that he might be gay? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. I honestly don't know that much about Garth Brooks. I'm learning so much today. I couldn't sing you one Garth Brooks song. And he's like the most famous country singer. He is super famous, but he is he is also one of the very few that is openly pro-LGBTQIA+. Uh, in yeah. part because he had a half-sister who uh, was a lesbian. And so he credits that with... Uh, kind of changing his views. Um, But rumors have abounded uh, uh, about himself, even though he has been married, I believe, for like the last 20 or so years. But like, you know, that doesn't, that's not the end all be all on stuff. Look, sexuality is a spectrum and not not everyone's fully straight. It doesn't mean they're fully gay either. So exactly. Yeah. You know, do you have friends in low places (laughs) Um. in down low places, Paige? We should also say that Dolly Parton is another country star that's very pro LGBTQIA plus and and beloved by the community, too. Yes. One of the only it's like him, Dolly, Lil Nas X, Billy Ray Cyrus. (laughs) That's, that's what we got. Yeah. Is Nas X a country star or 
or is he a pop star? I he's would like say a- he's more of an, an artist and can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. <laughs> True. But he I did originally him. debut on the country charts. Mm. That's the first time I heard his name. Still have not heard Old Town Road. Is that what that song is? What? Are you serious? God, it's Absolutely actually not. good. I refuse to this believe is upsetting, that. Todd. Because I'm mad at you. If it's like a country hip hop mashup, it's still half yes. country and I'm out. See, it's half hip hop, so I'm in. It skews more country, but in a way that works because the way, so you know how normally when they do country hip hop mashups, it's not great. No, I don't because <laughs> I don't listen. <laughs> it's like a lot of, it's a lot of country back background with rap over it. Sure. Lil Nas X is like the opposite where it's like, what if we took hip hop beats and sang country over it? And you're like, oh, this shit slaps. It's <laughs> like, amazing. I'm here for this. I love it yes. so much. Yeah. And it is catchy as fuck. Fuck. Now it's stuck in my head. Thank you so I much. I know. Now I'm thinking about it. But yeah, it's it's catchy and the music video was fire. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about this movie. Yeah, let's do it. I do like that it starts off with like eight solid minutes of what could be a David Ettenborough kind of documentary about what it's like to be a gay <laughs> single a person. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, via yes. a podcast. I really dug it it was a great way to introduce himself as a like character and like his life what his life is like and i I thought it was very funny that it was like all you know vo sort of because he's like on a podcast quote unquote yes and but it's like the cutaways because it's him explaining essentially giving a background story for his character via his connection to gay history so like yes his his podcast first of all is called the 11th brick at stone wall (laughs) because they're pretty sure that drag and uh, trans women of color through the first brick but white cis men got around to throwing the 11th brick and I do think that is a hilarious way to name a <laughs> podcast I love it so good they he also reveals that he uh, auditioned for queer eye and that queer eye cut away first oh of all oh my god <laughs> I loved it. it. There are layers to this fucking movie because the the actor who plays his brother was one of the original Queer Eye castmates playing straight in this movie. So not only are all of the queer people played by queer people, the straight people are also played by queer people. Yes. And I I was like, about damn time. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Hilarious. Amazing. And you know what? You don't notice. I was like, Neil Patrick Harris did it for most of his career. Like, gay people can play straight fine. Absolutely. Have you not seen any Hallmark movie around Christmas time? Gay people can play straight fine. Well, uh, to bring that up, uh, and I'll burn a fun fact now. Who the actor who plays Aaron in this movie has been in 14 Hallmark movies. Yeah. Only one of them gay, I think, if I remember correctly. That does not surprise yeah. me at all. <laughs> but that's part of why they throw so much shade at Hallmark in this movie. Yeah. It's yeah. really funny. <laughs> so funny. But part of the reason that he was is because he was openly gay. And so yes. he couldn't get cast in larger starring roles. Yes. Because even though he has like a leading man face and body. And physique. Oh, he does. Yeah. yeah. Dude's a handsome, handsome man. Absolutely. But agents are like, well, we won't be able to sell you. Right. Because you, right. you're gay, essentially. Yeah. At least not sell you is that. Like, I mean, obviously he's good enough yeah. that he yeah. gets work. Like he's a working actor. But I mean, he could be he like a now, Tom Cruise level actor. now, but not for a long actor. time. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's not getting like the big romantic comedy leads that like blow up your career you know yeah but it is upsetting how much allowing 
strangers to fantasize about being in a sexual relationship with you is part of the job of being an actor or being a public personality in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say it's not just actors, man. It's not. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stop harassing Mikey. Anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, maybe he's sending people ambiguous DMs on Instagram, Andrea, and they have to reach out to their friend Paige for clarification. Like, you don't know what's yeah, going on. For sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, we talked about that, right? Did I just drop that? I did. I laughed no, no, so hard. Yeah, you you yeah, texted I, me to ask if it was okay to leave. Oh, the that's episode, right. I did. And I, I was did. Like, that's right. Okay. Leave it in. That's right. This is hilarious. Oh no, free press? Yeah, post by art for me. Anyway. Oh, I think your response was, yeah, you guys can leave in the three minutes you talk about how hot I am. Please. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I yeah. forgot about that. That's right. Okay. Oh no. Ah. Oh no, people are going to realize I'm super hot. And now we're doing the thing we were talking about, how it's gross that people have to do to get people Sexception. to watch their movie. Yeah. I I feel like (laughs) and this might be a controversial opinion I don't care if you think about me that way I just don't want to hear about it same Z's same Z's yeah Yeah, I don't care keep your thoughts in your brain and we cool yeah you just don't have to text me about it yeah don't text me about it I do love that he also talks about his in this scene series of gay children's books and it's just, are you there, God? It's me, Martina Navratilova. I thought that that title was perfect. <laughs> it's, it's unhinged. So good. Oh my god! And but he brings up the idea that like people have asked him to write a rom com about a gay couple, which I fully believe is him acknowledging that studios have been asked asking him, Billy Eichner, to do this for years. I think Absolutely. so too, and I think he's yeah. right about why it wasn't necessarily time to do that right Mm -hmm. they didn't want what he wanted to give them does that make sense where it's like absolutely yeah they didn't really want a gay love story they wanted a like cis coded straight love love story story. yeah with with gay people in it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there's a coming out story someone's dad gets mad yes Uh, the conflict is about getting people who should love you to accept who you actually are right and and i do love the the last like phrase he says about it where he, he just says they wanted a nice movie about nice gay people but not all gay people are nice and i was like yeah not all people <laughs> yes. are nice just in exactly. general yeah yes I, he says more or less the same thing about how smart they are too he's like there are smart oh. gay people but there are also a lot of dumb gay people like it's a spectrum yes. like so <laughs> yeah, much i thought Absolutely. that that was so funny just like everybody yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. in my mind straight couples have been getting away with being trash in rom-coms for decades like let's let gay people be trash there's a lot of proof of that on film we've done a lot of episodes on trash straight couples we did one last week i've watched part of the notebook oh can i tell you i so i had a a show last night and and a handful of listeners came to the show sure and uh one of them came up to me and was like thank you for talking about how jerry Maguire is hot trash it is (laughs) oh my god yes (laughs) it is hot trash i mean but I understood why Mikey and I sort of like the male perspective in the movie, but like the relationship part of it is hot fire ass trash. It's terrible. 
It's garbage. It's terrible. It's garbage. He, we cut to, and this is another cutaway. He is still podcasting, uh, where he's at the Pride Awards and they're announcing the Out Athlete of the Year. And I just love, there are so <laughs> many points in this movie where we're hearing something from Billy Eichner's perspective. And so people say what they mean w- that they would normally couch in platitudes. Yes. And yes. so he just says, it was really hard for me being a hot, ripped gay person living my life in private. <laughs> and it's, it's always that. And then they literally are like, and now Kristen Chenoweth, and she has a hat that has the Stonewall bar on it. Rotating. <laughs> and it's spinning on her head. Spinning. Which it looks sort of like a top hat, right? But it is a yes. floating uh, Stonewall bar with the riot going on out front. And the brim part of the hat is like the LGBTQ. It's rainbow. Yeah, it's like the yeah, rainbow. Yeah, yeah, and it's like yeah. just spinning on her head. Like she's going <laughs> to so the craziest <laughs> royal wedding ever. I love it. It's, it's amazing. It, and she's just in a giant rainbow cape. Like <laughs> Oh, like so much so that all you can see is the cape. It looked like it was the biggest, yes. floofiest like rainbow dress they could find. Like they put her in a parachute from PE and that crazy hat and called it a day. If you That's told Yes. your wardrobe person that I want to look like pandering, this is how you'd walk out. <laughs> I want to serve hot circus tent realness. Like, that's <laughs> what it would be. It's giving. I love that she did this. I love Christy Chenoweth. She's like oh, one yeah. of my favorite actresses. And mainly because she does a lot of Broadway musicals and stuff and she's so good. But she's always okay to be the butt of the joke and i love that Mm. she is so funny she's also a queer icon in part because she when wicked got famous when wicked got huge um she became visible i would say more so visible than a lot of broadway stars do to middle america uh that you know middle straight america and wrote a biography that came out around the time where she basically was like all my best friends are gay. If you don't support gay people, fuck yourself. And I love like, it. not in those words, but basically that. And it was very much her being like, yeah, I know that a lot of, of straight conservative people like me, but real talk, this is what's up. Love and that. that kind of cemented her as a queer icon forever. I honestly didn't know she had done that. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. But she introduces Billy Eichner, who we find out is taking over one of the positions at the LGBTQ plus history museum, which is not a real thing. Technically, I think there are a handful of museums with exhibits and a couple pop-ups, but I would fully go to this museum. It sounds awesome. Well, now that there's a ride, absolutely. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dude, when, when they reveal that the investor who gave them $5 million is the person on that, like, on the video that plays on the <laughs> on ride. The Jumbotron, and then he's basically. like, oh, you've made it to the Obama administration. But in eight years. <laughs> and like, yes. just that evil laugh. <laughs> oh my God, it was so fucking funny. I lost my shit. It's very so good. good. But we cut to him at home later. Uh, messaging a guy on Grinder, and it and it basically goes through like what I would call a very standard Grinder hookup. Is it standard? Okay, so this is one of those things that's like a super straight guy. Like I just don't know, you know? Yeah. So you might have missed the biggest joke in this scene, then. Well, feed me, Mama Bird. Like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I missed a joke until you explain it. <laughs> well, yeah. Let me get to it. Okay, so. You're the one that's 
stopped. Uh, They're texting back and forth. What are you looking for? What are you into? And he's about to text that he's a bottom, but instead says that he's verse, which means that he does both. Yeah, he's versatile. Because yeah. there is an because there is an overabundance of bottoms and not enough tops. And the guy receives the text that says verse, and he goes, "Yeah, sure you are," which is basically like, <laughs> "Of course you're not." Like, you know, this is this is a lie. Uh, but the idea that a lot of bottoms advertise themselves as verse to get more dates is a very common gay joke that if you are not as familiar with the grinder culture often goes over people's heads one of my gay friends uh is uh, one of the funniest people i know he specifically said almost the exact same thing to me yep while we were talking at play the night before we saw uh or the night we saw oh fuck who was it from Dr- rupaul so we, we went to a uh, rupaul's drag race sponsored event that night mm. but yeah he was on grinder complaining about that specifically yep <laughs> and he was like i hate it but I do it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody does it. <laughs> it's so funny. It's oh, super common. That. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> and, and here's the thing: a, a lot of those people are are technically verse, where they have have, have sure. done both sides, but prefer one or the other. But it's it's one of those things where it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, so they show up for the hookup and both end up just jerking off together because, again, they are both bottoms. Yeah. Yes. But they finish up and he goes for a walk around New York City, although he <laughs> ends up with that, that handkerchief stuck to his hand. God, okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That we shit was so funny. That's so funny. Because like, the guy finishes on him, more or less. And yeah. Billy d- opts not to finish, which is fine. But the guy gets him like a, what looks like a napkin to clean up. And then you see him trying to throw and that you napkin got away later. you got to keep wipes around. Yeah. yeah. Wipes are way better. That's why you got to have wipes. Move. Absolutely. But like, you see him later trying to throw away that same napkin. And it's like stuck to his hand. And I was like, stuck oh, that's so fucking funny. It was so good. But it's like while he's like doing this voiceover about how after a hookup, he likes to go for a walk through New York City. Like, it, there's nothing funny about what he's saying necessarily. It's just like a very physical very funny gag yeah well this is definitely one that has a lot of visual gags where like you really have to watch and listen because the the text you're hearing isn't necessarily going to match what's happening on the screen yes and that's where a lot of the joke is yeah yeah well in in this scene in particular the actual voiceover is actually very emotional uh, but he also has a napkin stuck to his hand because this is when he's talking about like I think I just have sex with people, but then the people I really care about are my friends. Yeah, and right. I have all of this love in my life from different places. And that's a lot more than what other people have. And so even though I'm single, I do feel like I have love in my life and I have to try and remember that. And then he immediately breaks into an ad for Career Donkey. And in the theaters, <laughs> I lost my mind. Like, <laughs> I was so lost my mind. Now, because of what we all do, I think maybe we find yes. that a little bit funnier than other people, but man, I laughed out loud. It was so fucking funny. One of my one of my best friends saw this before me and called me and he's like, I know you're gonna see bros anyway, but I just need you to keep an eye out for the best podcast joke I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so we cut to he's at dinner with a bunch of friends and we find out kind of just a little tidbit about all of his friend groups. So one of them has a surrogate and they're having triplets. The other has become a thruple. So one is having triplet and one is becoming a triplet. Becoming a triplet. Yes. I love at the end of the movie, we actually do find out that the couplet or the three people are still together. The triplet. 
Yeah. They're still together. Yeah. I do love this cutaway of like them pretending to call their grandparents and tell them (laughs) that like Peter and I are jointly fucking a third person. How wonderful. It was so funny. So, uh, but this is where Billy Eichner is like, love is love is just something we told straight people so that they would treat us like humans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But this is where he starts to describe how like his sex is different. His, the way they love is, you know, everything is different. Yeah, It's different. It actually is different being two men dating each other than being in like a cis relationship. Right. And he says that he, he likes gay people. He just doesn't trust them. <laughs> Which is a crazy thing to say. I don't know. I feel that way about men, so I kind of get it. So no, I get that. Yeah, no, yeah, I understand. Based on past experiences, like get the fuck away from me, but also please be nice. Yeah, please take your shirt off. But yes, like I don't trust you. you. Yeah. <laughs> but he has to go to a launch party for a new app. Oh man. And I do love the joke that like you guys are just gonna take your shirts off anyway. And he's like, no. And then we cut to the party, and he and Guy Branham are the only people without With their, their shirts, shirts off. off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's so funny. It's just a sea of shirtless men. Oh, yeah, that is accurate to my experience of every gay club event I have ever been to. <laughs> is that shirts are not only optional, they are avoided at all costs. Yeah. They're allergic to shirts. I get it. Allergic to shirts. But the app is called Zellwigger, which is for gay <laughs> gay men who just want to talk about actresses and then go to sleep, which I found <laughs> hilarious. I wish we saw more of the app, but this movie's already almost two hours long. Yeah, we, we see zero of the app, but I love its premise. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And this is also where Guy Branham basically is like, yeah, I, I had sex with a 65-year-old guy, big white beard, like ripped Santa Claus. And we will then meet that guy like minutes later. But then also he points out Aaron in the crowd and is like, Here, hey, there, there's that guy Aaron. And Billy Eigner's like, I don't know who that is. And he's just like, Oh, he's at the gym sometimes. He's hot and boring. Yeah. But then he continues of like, yeah, I had sex with someone peed on me yesterday. Cause like, what else was I doing? Right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and that's so real. (laughs) Who hasn't been there? I mean, as long as you're consenting adults with a shower nearby. But as they're talking about it, Aaron, who, by the way, was down on the dance floor and they're up in a balcony in an impossibly fast amount of time. Aaron just shows up next to them. Yes. It's almost like Scott Pilgrim versus the world levels of like teleportation. The only way he could have done that is if he sprinted up there. Yeah. Even then (laughs) he like we would have seen him be out of breath or something. And it's a full ass club page. Like he couldn't have. Yes. There's no way. He couldn't have. It's so funny. Here's the thing. The tone of this film was different and it was a horror tone. Like Aaron is constantly appearing and then disappearing. Constantly. And to a point where it's like is Billy Eigner imagining him? Is this just like oh. a hot figment of his imagination that's not real? Because he's always like disappearing oh and then he's gone. <laughs> yes. If his boyfriend turned out to be Tyler Durden, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a story about Billy falling in love with himself. Oh. oh. <laughs> with more fucking than you've ever imagined. <laughs> But essentially, they end up kind of flirting here, which is how we learn that he does probate in a state law and that he's kind of hot and is supposed to have sex with this couple later. (laughs) But he's like a country guy. This is where he reveals that he's into Garth Brooks. Yeah. And he literally just like disappears and 
fades into the crowd. <laughs> I think like, it's because Billy sort of insults him a little bit. He like calls him boring yeah, to his face times. and like he just wasn't feeling it. So he's like, oh, well, I'm leaving. I'm out. Whatever. <laughs> I don't really know this well, person. I've done that before. Well, this thing happens to Billy. I, I can't remember if it's in this scene or if it's another scene, but he goes, are you mad? And he goes, no, this is just how my face looks. People always ask me that. People come up to me. They're like, are you mad about something? I'm like, no, this is just how my face. And he goes on this kind of like long tangent about it. Yeah. So I think Billy, like Billy can be very off-putting. His, char- his character's name is yeah. Bobby. His name's Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. But, like, his character is off-putting at first because he just kind of complains about stuff. And he's always kind of like, well, actually, people. And, like, that can be kind of off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. Dating a podcaster can be off-putting. Like, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think Aaron says it best where he's like, who wants to be challenged all the time? Yeah. Because that's that's kind of what it is. Wow. That hit home. I know, right? But he did want to be challenged. He loved it. He did. <laughs> mm. I was like, oh, see, it is great to date someone like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're fantastic. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they spot the 65-year-old in the crowd, at which point he's like, look, it's like somebody injected steroids into Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> And it is. It is like it that. Is. Like, Expecto pro bonum, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Expelliarmus that comes. Yes. <laughs> but he runs back into Aaron at the bar and again he just kind of disappears and then he runs back into him on the dance floor and is just like hey I thought we were kind of hitting it off and then like all of a sudden you were gone so like what the hell I feel like you're like not into me but why are you talking to me and he says oh yeah I'd really like someone who's frail who won't stop talking (laughs) (laughs) but they end up kissing and he's like come home with me and he's like I can't I have to go fuck that couple and take my number and he's like no no I'm done like I I don't need somebody who's also emotionally unavailable I'm out and as he tries to leave, leave the dance floor, he is blocked by like a wall of people voguing, which is hysterical. <laughs> I thought that Can shit was funny. Can you please stop voguing? I need to leave. <laughs> yeah. You ever tried to quickly leave a gay club? Good luck. Like this, it does not happen. My favorite part is when he's talking to Guy Branham and he's like, He's like, why don't you just let it go? And he's like, I am not a person that lets things go. And I have never related to something more (laughs) in my life. (laughs) So we cut to, he's back in his apartment watching You've Got Mail. Speaking of a rom-com that is also hot trash. Oh, yeah. Well, we've we've done that one. We have we have litigated you've got mail. Yeah. It is hot trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he ends up texting with a guy on Grinder. Oh my god, I thought this shit was so funny, Paige. The this is can fantastic. I see your ass? I need to see ass pick. That's a very true grinder interaction, I would say. Yeah. Um I thought it was hilarious. He brought in a ring light to take a photo of his ass. Yes, but but here's the thing though, it's like on dating apps where it's all about the first impression, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, even just fully clothed, like what angle, what do I do? And then just to have somebody block you after, it's yep. the oh, worst feeling brutal. in the world, but it is so real. Yeah. Well, one of my friends described it once because he was like explaining gay dating to me. He's like, you know how men are always trying to sleep with you immediately? And I was like, yeah. He's like, imagine if it's just two men together. There's no fucking boundaries. He's like, we just... That we're just like really open about it. I was like, what? It's 
sounds horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess not if that's what you want. Well, yeah, no, for sure. But it's yeah. like if, if you are someone like I think because the whole crux of this is that Billy Eichner has never had a real relationship and he's like yes. a full grown adult. And he's yeah, like, right. well, you know, hookup culture is fine or whatever. But he is now he's kind of entering this phase where he's starting to see sort of the meaninglessness of these hookups. Yeah. And it's feeling more and more meaningless to him every moment. And so now he is kind of changing his patterns of behavior but the people around him, the environment is still the same. And so he's yeah. having a hard time navigating. Like, how do I find a real relationship when this is what it is all the time? Yeah. Anyway, so the guy immediately blocks him and he settles down on the couch to see a commercial for the new Hallmark film, which it was a bisexual holiday film called Christmas with Either. Yes. The titles of the Hallmark films are the best part of this movie. I, I mean, like, love it. So good. So funny. The Holly Polly Christmas made me Holly Polly Christmas made is me great. lose my mind. I thought that shit was so funny. My favorite is Home Alone with Sarah Paulson. Oh, uh, yeah, just so that's my funny. favorite. <laughs> Love Sarah Paulson too. She's great, but man, her poster like was so funny. Oh, so funny. Uh, but we cut to the next day where he is in a meeting for the ex- for the museum, and they're trying to decide what their last exhibit was. Because it was supposed to be funded by Pier 1 Imports, but now they're owned by the Taliban. Whoopsies. Whoopsies. But they need $5 million and they need to decide what they're going to do for the last exhibit. Yeah. So the suggestions are a giant Jodie Foster, like the blue whale in the Natural History Museum, which was great. (laughs) Yeah. An exhibit based on trans women from indigenous nations, which actually would probably be a fascinating and really great exhibit. I was going to say, so uh, weird thing. I got really into studying homosexuality and trans, like trans people and stuff like that. Because in the sophomore year of high school, I was really Christian and I was going to do a paper about how gay people shouldn't have the right to marry. And then I did all this research on it. And then I was like, oh, they should totally be able to get married. This is just what it is. Like I did research and it totally changed my mind as a young adult. And so I got really into indigenous cultures and trans people in those cultures it is fascinating it is a great deep dive highly recommend anyway well there's a lot of like multiple genders and and a lot of very gender options yeah that's why i'm like i would i would go to that exhibit i'd be super into it i was gonna say it's something that has largely been erased mostly by white european culture but a lot of cultures have third or fourth genders yes and those genders are often revered as more shamanistic or closer to like a higher sort of vibration in the universe i would say So it's fascinating. That is super interesting. Like, I wish I fucking knew that. Like, I need some suggested (laughs) reading from you at the end of this. Just fun facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just fun facts. I also really want to see a Lesbians of the Civil War exhibit. Oh, my God. I would be all over that shit. Dude, she (laughs) brought numbers. Like, she said a certain number of numbers. I was like, oh, shit. So I bet, like, it was at least that. Actually, this isn't just like the movie yes. saying something funny, although it is delivered in a funny way. But like, that's probably an actual fact. Yeah, I love, love Jim Rash in this movie. So do I. He's yes. so great. Oh my God. The, the absolute rage at buy erasure every time <laughs> yes. it comes up is so good. I love how he's like, and it was by, it was like, what is it? By awareness day or something. And none of you said anything to beat like yeah and even though they all skipped lesbian history month 
Yep. Um, but we hear you, we see you, and we're holding space for you. It's <laughs> so funny. This movie is just funny. What this is, though, too, is like this is a very like beautiful illustration of sort of the infighting that happens when you all agree. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have a group of people who are feel like they're not seen generally and they don't they're not allowed to be themselves generally so when you're together they're still on the defense yes and that you have to sort of navigate those almost sometimes antagonistic relationships because people are so used to not being seen you have to be like no we are we're on the same team like i'm on your team you know yeah it's really funny. I think there's there's also an element of like when people are marginalized, everyone wants to be seen and everyone wants yes. to have that moment. And because society as a whole has relegated you to this one shot, we feel like we have to cover everything in that one shot, mm-hmm. which I think this movie illustrates a little bit, too, of like this movie has to do queer world building because it's got one shot. Yep. And that is perfectly displayed kind of in this meeting, too. It's only got one shot, one opportunity, and we can't let to it To do everything my- about gay people ever. And spaghetti. And was his boyfriend's <laughs> mom's name. <laughs> Deep cut. Yeah. I also, the suggestion to have it be a celebration of queer weddings, I also loved that. I uh, but I did. That. I did understand where he was coming from, where he was like, that's just more heteronormativity. And I was like, that is, that's true. Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. (laughs) I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's, we're going to table that. (laughs) But on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my God, guys. This actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal. All of our the pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals. Never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I... (laughs) I have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say, a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I, and it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah. And I, I struggle with proportions. And factor comes pre proportioned, pre prepared, chef re- ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor Meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now, because (laughs) Factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the end of the ad. I'm I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
So he proposes that it's love letters from Lincoln about Lincoln being gay. And we cut away to Aaron at his work where he's doing probate law and he's meeting with a man who has no one to leave any of his things to because he is of that generation where all of his friends are dead. His parents are dead. He doesn't have any children. He doesn't have a partner. And he says, you know, close your eyes and think about who means the most to you in the world. And it's Cher. (laughs) So he wants to leave $100,000 to Cher. And he's like, do you think she needs it? And he's like, she has a huge staff, which is so funny to me. Like, (laughs) amazing. But this is like literally in the middle, middle of this meeting, someone comes in to tell Aaron another one of his clients has died. And this client that he's working with is like, your job is a fucking downer. Yeah. (laughs) Like, your job sucks. Anyway. So he texts Billy, uh, basically like, how's Grinder?" And they have just kind of this little chit chat yeah. where he he tells him that he's going to a gender reveal orgy the next day, which is <laughs> such a crazy. <laughs> I've never heard of that happening. But if somebody told me that happened, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's hilarious. It's so good. It was so funny. Um, they decide that they're going to go out on a date before he has to meet that other couple the next day. So uh, this is also where he sends a gif of Michael Scott from the office. And Billy's like, this guy can't be gay. <laughs> like, like, what is happening? <laughs> and they do the relatable thing where he's like, like, like the goodbye I sent you. Like, hard. <laughs> like, like, he's later, like, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he's like mad. Cause, but I totally, when you are like first texting someone, it's so stressful. You're like, cause every text you're like trying to read into it. Like, do they really like me? Are they into me? Am I just an option for them? Like, and so he's kind of letting his insecurities yes. feed how he's in this interaction. Yes. So we cut to their date the next day, and this is where we find out that his parents are dead. He hates bees. He hates bees. (laughs) Uh, And that Aaron's favorite movie might be The Hangover, but might not be. We never fully get an answer. I feel like Billy Eichner, the screenwriter, just wanted to like complain about how recently it was okay. Not necessarily The Hangover, but how recently it was okay and socially acceptable to punch down on the gay community. Yes. And he has a very good point about that. That was 2009. How many times have we encountered this on our podcast where something was like very modern and we're like, oh, geez, like how are they still punching down on this? Well, it's that and fat phobic shit. Like that is so- Oh, fat phobic. That is so recent. Alive and well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Alive and well. Not to mention weird, right? Like, there's a lot of weird racism. I I watch a lot of, um, like, cop, like, serial shows. Like, procedurals? Like, Law and Order? Procedurals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, ah, like, I was, you know, watching Castle or whatever. And I (laughs) really, when I was younger, I liked Bones a lot. And looking back at that, there's a lot of racial insensitivity. Oh, yeah. When she's supposed to be, like, a, a... archaeologists and it's like oh like they have like an episode where there's ninjas and it's like you guys ninjas yeah no it's no and you know there's stuff like that that happens in both of those shows that you're like no it's (laughs) even that late too late guys what would Rizzoli and Isles think (laughs) yes another stunner (laughs) 
of the times. <laughs> Anyways. They get to the movies and at the theater, if you look up at the movies that are playing, Treasure Inside is what they go to see, which is like a Brokeback Mountain analog, right? Yeah. Uh, but then the other movies are Drive Faster and Crime Scene 2, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I love that it got a sequel. There's a million <laughs> Easter eggs like that in this movie of just like, um, I imagine being in a writer's room trying to pitch something as funny as Crime Scene 2. I don't know if I could. It's exactly as vague as you need it to be. Yeah. But also, you know exactly the kind of movie we're talking about, you know? Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. I do also love in this scene where they kind of joke back and forth about what straight actors should play them. In the movie of their lives. <laughs> I, I thought that which was is very funny. hysterical to <gasps> Yeah. And that Billy Eichner's like, I like to view my life as a way for Benedict Cumberbatch to really score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. But this is where they, in the lobby of the theater after seeing the movie, they run into Josh Evans, who is uh, Aaron's high school friend. They used to play hockey together uh, with his fiance, Samantha. And he doesn't seem to be very forthcoming about being gay with them, but they have kind of a nice interaction and then they leave. Well, in, in this, Aaron is like downplaying the fact that they saw a gay film. He's like, oh, yeah, it's just like some film or just whatever. Just a dumb you know? yeah. yeah. He's trying to, again, kind of like, yeah, I saw this gay movie, but I'm not like that, you know. I'm not like that kind of gay yeah. yeah. Like, I'm one of the cool guys. He really is a pick me for straights is what he is projecting at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I do think because I think it's unclear in the movie. I think he's out to his family, obviously, but yeah, I don't know that he's out to anybody else. Does that make sense? Like, yes, I think there's there's a level to where he lets people back home know what's up. Yeah, I got the vibe Absolutely. that he came out maybe in college or after college, so his family knows, but yeah. like his high school circle might might not, you know? Probably yeah. doesn't know. Yeah. Anyway, they are about to end the date, uh, but they get into kind of an argument of just like, so are we a thing or are we not? You don't like guys like me. And ultimately, he ends up inviting Billy Eichner to that awkward orgy, which is a hilarious scene of what looks like a very connected romantic moment between them and then as the camera pulls out you're like oh this is very different <laughs> this is I not the same i loved this whole setup and the payoff of that joke because the whole impetus of the scene before they go to the orgy is like billy wants him to come upstairs wants to hook up with him right and he's just like i don't know that i, that I want to like turn it into all that like i think yeah one of the reasons uh aaron's character is like more comfortable in like the what i would call maybe group sex or threesome situation is because it's not like partnering off with somebody and he's afraid of committing to one person you know so like yeah i loved that like that was the whole thing like come upstairs with me no i don't want to and then it cuts to them shirtless, like what, like sitting next to each other. And you're like, oh, he did. And he's going to like be vulnerable with Billy's character. And no, nope, that is not what happened because <laughs> it slowly pans out. And you realize two guys are going down on Aaron. Yeah. Well, and, and I do. My favorite part of this scene is when Billy's like, you know, I'm going to go and then gets up and says goodbye to everyone. Like it's a party, like a social function. Yes. 
so hysterically funny. Well, I'm just like, it was so is, nice meeting you. Yeah. One of the guys is still wearing a backwards baseball hat. Like he's yes. completely naked except for his hat. Except somehow. for the hat. <laughs> this is how you spot the balding one. Oh my God. Milwaukee. I'm having flashbacks. Um, <laughs> yes. Everyone in the bar with the hat on is balding. Yeah. But it, if I just think of like, if you've ever tried to take your shirt off with a baseball cap on, you know, you can't. So you, Yes. He had to I mean, take the shirts off. Yeah. He put, put the it hat back, back on. on. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to reveal a lot about me. I have seen someone take a shirt off with a baseball cap on. It is possible. Uh, but the hat has to be backwards and you have to go from the front and then go mm. over the bill of the cap. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Get yeah. the scientists on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's still a ridiculous thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. Anyway, we cut to the next day where Billy is over at his straight friend's house. Um, and I got the impression that he was like their kid's godfather or something similar like that. Like, you know, chosen uncle. Let's call it yeah. that one. Yeah. They seem like family, honestly. Yeah. And he's basically talking them through the the night before. And he's like, we went on one date and had sex with three people. <laughs> but he basically <laughs> tells them it's a lot. I'm going to I'm going to call and see if he wants to come to this work event to, with me tonight. And she says she's like, oh, so you're going to try and impress him like you're going to peacock. And he's like, no, not at all. Uh, and he says that he's not going to be on stage. But we immediately cut to him on stage saying, thank you, Doja Cat. Which is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and then he says, this is one of my favorite joke speeches in the movie where he says there are rock paintings of gay people in Zimbabwe and if only they could have lived 4,000 more years to see someone come out on Always Sunny and all the stories in between and it was just it's a crazy thing to say but that to me sounded like Guy if I were to pick out something that I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy wrote that it's that sentence that's fantastic <laughs> but this is also where Aaron's sitting at the table next to the, the trans woman that is on the board of the museum. And she says, who did your chin? And he's like, oh, no, it's mine. And she goes, yeah, mine too. <laughs> and then just looks forward. Amazing. But he gets a mini tour of the museum. And I think he says something that gets to something that Billy struggles with that Billy doesn't even quite understand yet, where they're in kind of the hall of the inspirational gay figures. And he basically says, all of this is sad and depressing. It's, imp it's impressive. And it is good that these people stepped forward, but it is depressing because it's all of the sad things that have happened to us. And he says that he wants something like Night of the Museum where things come alive and talk to you, which will come back at the end. Yeah. But I think what he's kind of getting at is like, we are at a point now where we should be happy and celebrating the ability to be happy and to love the people around us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's getting to him because we do get the scene of him looking into the glass and seeing himself where it just says, Aaron, lawyer, hated his job, did CrossFit. And I think he's questioning for himself, like, am I enjoying my life to the most that I could be? Or am I just playing it safe? Yeah. And none of these people played it safe, even when it was depressing. And even though his is more of a happy stop playing it safe, I think this causes him really to question. But again, this is one of those moments where it's like, oh, we have fully fleshed out both characters and they both have their own arcs and problems and questions and fears and loves and hates and everything which is more so than most rom-coms do 
I was gonna say, these characters are more full. And again, this is a two-hour film instead of yes. a one yeah. in, you know, 20 minutes. But yeah, I think both of these characters have things that they're struggling with individually that make their relationship difficult. Yeah. I love that part of the story, though, because, like, yeah. both of their motivations and, like, reasons for doing what they do and why they sort of come apart and the way they come apart towards the end and the way they even come back together, like, all of that makes sense because I know the type of people they are. Like, it's set up so well that, yes. like, all of that feels very earned in this movie. And I think that's one of the reasons I was bawling <laughs> at the end when you see them sort of overcome what they have to overcome to be able to come back together. I loved it. Yeah. We cut to the next day where he is in the office talking to his mom on FaceTime. Uh, and his mom is like, guess who's gay? Your friend from high school, which is the guy that they met at the theater, like literally days ago. Evan. Yeah. Josh Evans. And his video <laughs> uh, announcing his coming out is also hilarious. Where oh, he's my like, God. People do this in my own in their own time, like Colt, my hero Colton Underwood, like this post if you like that I'm gay, which is so good. And then he says, hashtag like this if you like that I'm gay. Like he creates his own hashtag <laughs> for the post on Instagram. That is also <laughs> like the worst hashtag, right? It's so long. It's so many it's letters. It's so yes. long. Look, if you're doing hashtags as a bit, I fully support this. Like, I think long, dumb hashtags oh. are funny as a bit. <laughs> yeah, but you're not doing it for the intended use of a hashtag. It's for yes. a joke. I'm for that all day. Yeah. Yes. And that's not what he was doing. <laughs> no. no. Uh, we cut to a meeting at the museum the next day where we come in halfway through a conversation where it is implied that the trans woman on the museum board is like, so why don't you just call it Lemonade? So she called the album that. And we're like, wait a second. Did she name Beyonce's album? Like, what just happened? Um, but as they're going through the meeting, he Billy is looking for texts for Aaron and, and there aren't any. Um, but this is where they're pitching the full pitch of basically gay Abraham Lincoln as one of the museum uh, exhibits versus bisexuals of the world the great bisexuals <laughs> of the world which turns out to be a hilarious exhibit later yeah. it's look all of the production that went into the museum aspect is fantastic props to the props department yeah um lincoln wins by one vote as deborah messing arrives to take a tour of the museum because she is going to kind of <laughs> promote it to stop herself from being canceled because uh, she called herself the Viola Davis of Tufts. Yes. I don't even know what Tufts is. A college. It's it's a it's a university. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought that was very funny. Like that she was pre-donating to avoid getting canceled. Like she was trying to do yes. something good yes. before the story broke or whatever. I don't know. Yes. That to me was hilarious. But of course, the second she arrives there, Billy like unloads all his dating problems on her, and she's like, "I'm not." race like i it was a character yeah people have been unloading on me for years and she basically just like stomps out of the museum i loved her i'm a divorced single mother do you think i can help you like like do you think me <laughs> you actually as that? a person could help you yeah like i don't know i thought it was very funny 
I I love that as she stomps out, she's like, I won an Emmy. I beat Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> People forget. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm shaving my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she walks into that like floor light and she's like, why is this here? Like she is just aggressively awesome in this scene. I love it. So funny. We cut to him cooking at home and he's like singing to himself like, don't text him. Don't call him. Just watch Ozark like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he picks up his phone and at a certain point you see just a wall of blue text. Yes. Like he a has texted him like 10 times with no response. And that's when like at the early stages of dating, if someone ghosts you, you're supposed to just leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. But if you're someone who can't let things go, <laughs> yes. you have to know what their deal is or tell them what their deal is. Yes. And that's what he does. Yep. But he does text him to see, hey, do you want to go hang out? And Aaron texts back. So we cut to them at the park the next well, day. We should say that Aaron writes out a text that s- seems very like, hey, I've enjoyed hanging out, but I don't think I'm the right person for you. Like, I don't think this is, this is going to work. And then... We see him start to delete it. And then we see from Billy's perspective, the text message comes that just says, sure, let's hang out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they end up at the park the next day and they're kind of like laughing, you know, kind of roasting each other, which turns into like play wrestle fighting. And a whole bunch of football guys think they're actually fighting at the park. They're like, hey, what's going on? And they start making out and they're like, oh, whoa. Uh, oh, OK. Uh, and they just kind of <laughs> back away. I thought that was so but, funny. And like, it's not like they're like, ooh, gross. They're just like, oh, shit, sorry. We thought you might have been fighting. We didn't realize this is romantic. But now that we know it's cool, we'll just back away slowly. Sorry. <laughs> we like, misinterpreted this yeah. situation. <laughs> what was going on? Yeah. It's but so this, funny. again, is part of Billy's insecurity because he sees Aaron watching yes. these guys play football. And he's like, I'm not ripped like them. Yeah. Like, is this what you want? And he's kind of doing it to be like, is this, do I have to like wrestle with you and kind of bully you a little bit for you to get turned on by me? And he's trying to fulfill a role that he thinks Aaron wants him to play. Yes. Or to force Aaron into admitting that he does not want him. It is It is twofold. It is either yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm turning you on and you admit that you want me or I'm pushing you to the point where you will push me away and I can blame you for that. Yes. yes. Well, in, in this scene with Aaron, we see that he is uncomfortable sitting on the blanket with Billy, even though there's plenty of room because that would look like they're a couple and he doesn't want yep. to be in a couple, you know, like he is afraid of that. And I think that's why he is like looking at all the guys playing sports because that's where his comfort is. Not necessarily like finding them hot, but like he's like a jock guy. So like he's comfortable with that. He's not comfortable with like quote unquote intimacy, not sexual intimacy, but like, you know, relationship intimacy. Vulnerability. Yeah, vulnerability is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I love that like all of that makes sense because we know that about their characters already. Yeah, so they end up back at, I, I don't know if it's Billy or Aaron's apartment. We don't really know. It's, it's the bedroom. Yeah. Um, but they have like, half fight half sex which i do think is really like at one point they're just slapping at each other which is great and they this is probably one of the only times i think i've ever seen on film somebody involve poppers in a sexual scenario but is way more common than people would think as we were watching it my straight boyfriend was like what is that and i was like oh Mm. it relaxes your butt so that you can have 
anal sex comfortably. Yes. But after uh, they're laying there and he admits, Aaron admits that he hates his job. And this is where he talks about wanting to make little chocolates and having to lie about wanting to make little chocolates and say he was making it for a girl he had a crush on. And it's a very, very sweet and endearing story. And at this point, all like I'm so invested in him becoming a chocolatier in this movie. Yeah, more than anything else. Please, yes. That's all I want. Yeah, I love it. But this is also where Billy is like, I have to go up to P-Town to try and get money from a wealthy donor for the rest of the museum. And Aaron is like, well, maybe I can come with you. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure, I guess. But they show up and they're staying in Harvey Firestein's Airbnb. And this is where he kind of takes them through. He's like, I bought this because it turned out I was the only one who was going to survive. All my friends died. And so like whatever joy or whatever we can have by being together, I wanted to have a place for that to be. And it's this made me cry today. Yeah. I think in the theater as well. I don't fully remember. Yeah. But, oh, what a bummer. I think it's so important. I mean, I know we kind of talked about it already, but I think it's so important that that world building exists for their love to be sort of like for them to be allowed to love each other and, you know, yeah. be open about it. And it's like, look, we've been through all this shit. Like, why don't we get a movie? Why don't we get to just love each other? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We do get a cutaway revealing that he's doing testosterone, which I just finished listening to the uh, Behind the Bastards on Vince McMahon. Yeah. I also uh, was listening to that. Yeah. Did you, I was like, it's oh, no. So good. That's what killed Chris Benoit. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. no. I yeah. mean, a lot of things did, but like that was a, a factor. CTE is also not a fucking joke. Yeah, for sure. Like that. Like I said, a lot of factors, uh, but that was definitely one of them. But this is also where he hears Billy singing in the shower and he's like, oh, he's actually got like a really good singing voice. When I heard him singing, I was like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Because he's so good. I didn't know Billy could sing like in real life. Oh, yeah. But they leave to go talk to Larry Grape, who is a Hollywood producer with a, lo a lot of money, played by Bo and Yang, who is the best. Always. He Fantastic. the best. Okay. Bowen Yang does this sketch that's one of my favorite sketches, and it's straight male friend, and it's yes. an ad. <laughs> the, this is that an was SNL like a few sketch. Weeks ago. Yes, yes, that you need to look up. It is so accurate, and it's straight male friend. So it's like the whole thing is an ad for straight male friend, and he's like, "I love my girlfriends." But sometimes they're too much. And it's like, you know, they're talking about like how expensive it is to hang out with them. And then they have all these feelings and they have to do it. It's like, sometimes I just want companionship without any emotional investment. That's why there's straight male friend. <laughs> and there's this moment where like the guy, like during the sketch is like, he's like, hey man, you look sad. He goes, yeah, my dad died last week. Sorry to put that on you. And then like later in the sketch, he's like, sorry for being such a pussy earlier about my dad being dead. Like, it really, and I'm like, this is how straight men are. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so good. so good. Anyways, one of the best sketches. Look it up, Bo Yang. Check it out. It is so funny. But this is where Bo and Yang at first is not really, you know, giving them the time of day. And then Aaron steps in and is like, you've got to like, let him talk. Just listen to him. Crazy rich people love that. <laughs> That is true. Well, because Bo and Yang has to go out and argue with his neighbor about a plant that his neighbor planted in front of his, like, his window to block his view. And, and it's like, 
coming to blows. Like it's, it's over the so top. Fun. Well, Bowen is like shaking the plant, and his neighbor is like, "It's a shared property line or some shit." And then yeah, they yeah, do, yeah. they're like, "It's Pride Month, whatever." I love you. I love you too. And they go back to their houses. I was like, I love this fight. This is so amazing. Funny. Great fight. Yeah. So, it's so good. So great. So great. But they ask him what he wants in the museum, and he's like, a haunted house of gay <laughs> trauma. And he basically describes a roller coaster with a monster that has Reagan's face. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. We love it. It's amazing. And yet, we get all of it at the end, which is so good. I know. I was going to say, we see this roller coaster at the end. I couldn't believe we got to see it. I was so happy. So funny. And but then he, he says, I'm all in. Congrats on my money. And then yes. walks away. <laughs> oh no, before walking away, he says, I have to go to a party where you're both too old to be in the pool. Please leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny. But we should say Aaron also steps in and really like closes the deal, whereas Billy was struggling to close the deal. Yep. Because he's good at talking to weird, rich, old people is what he says. Weird, rich, old people. Yeah. Well, but also Aaron has a skill set, which is Aaron is able to give other people what they want from him. And Billy cannot be anyone but Billy at all times. That is Billy true. Billy cannot yeah. people please. He does not people please. And part of that is what Aaron loves about him. But Billy in that moment sees Aaron's strength in a, his ability to kind of change his personality so that others will like him. Yeah. But we cut to them on the beach and this is where I remember in the movie theater just openly sobbing through this entire scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because he basically is like, I love that you're so confident and Billy's like, I had to be (laughs) because I walk around like this all the time, which we kind of talked about earlier when we were just talking about overall feelings of the movie but this is basically his scene of like everyone said i was too gay to do everything so i had to believe in myself like i had to be the one in my corner yeah and i do love that like he kisses him because of this like where it's like that's not too much i'm not burdened by this information about you i love this about you and then they dance together on the beach and it's bad but it's the best It's, yeah, uh, my boyfriend was like, this is some white people shit. And I was like, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is indeed. This is very white people dancing. It's bad dancing. That's but it exactly also is it like is. a very vulnerable story, like that a, a trauma based yeah. story Absolutely. that like really Absolutely. formed his personality and shows that he is like opening up and is like, I think ready for an actual relationship with Aaron. Like, I I loved this scene too, Paige. Me too. Yeah. I also think bad dancing is endearing. Oh, yes. Well, bad bad dancing is vulnerable. Like, yes, I am not a good dancer. I'm not trying to go out and show my stuff to the world, but like, I'll dance with my partner. And that is part of that sort of, you know, the vulnerability of a romantic relationship and being close to someone is allowing them to see the parts of you that you're like, I know I'm not good at this, but I enjoy doing it with you. Yeah, absolutely. So we cut to basically a montage of them back in New York dating. So they are, well, uh, sorry, to did not mean to skip over it. Uh, he does top him at like that night, it is implied. Yes. Which is a shift in the power dynamics of their relationship. Definitely. Mm. But then we cut into a montage of them in the fall, in the holidays where they get a Christmas tree, but also a giant menorah. And 
they end up at a Christmas party where his friend from high school shows up. Now openly out. Yes, now openly out. And they have a discussion of like, so are we monogamous or... Can we figure something out? Yeah. And at first it's going to be a threesome, but then Steve joins and Steve is just a random so who was also at the party who is like moaning <laughs> and kissing people's shoulders, just well, ruining thought, the whole vibe. It's so clear funny. that no one wanted him there. And yeah. so right. they're all three kind of engaging with each other. And then Steve keeps trying to like get in there and he's yes. not like really welcome. Yeah. Yes. I fully understand why I don't get invited to things like this, but I think it's because I'd be Steve. <laughs> I would be way too concerned about everyone else's feelings in the mo- Like, I would just be like, are you actually having fun? Are you just saying you're having fun? Are you sure this is okay? I don't know, guys. It's just, for me, it's just too many people. It's too it's many too people to, to navigate and keep tabs on. Absolutely. Yeah. Are we all coming? Is no one coming? What's happening? Too much. Who brought the maps? Do you have sunscreen? Like, it's too much. It's a lot. <laughs> but essentially, the next morning, he's like, I may have been wrong. <laughs> I think maybe it's not a great idea. And they basically kind of agree to be exclusive. And he agrees to spend Christmas with him and his parents. Who yeah. His parents invite Josh the other guy without asking it's like a whole thing but they go to the hallmark christmas village or hall heart christmas village hall they can't call it hallmark but yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. hallmark for legal reasons they couldn't call it that but yeah yeah but we this is it. also where we find out that they have rachel ray edible tinsel hilarious amazing and home alone with sarah paulson <laughs> oh my god <laughs> great quick aside if you haven't watched mexican mother's critiquing Rachel Ray cooking Mexican food. It is the funniest <laughs> thing I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. amazing. <laughs> it's pretty great. Look it up on YouTube. Anyway, here's what I want. I want Abuelita's uh, critiquing the Great British Bake Off Mexican Ooh, food episode, which yeah. I bet also exists on YouTube. I'll have to go find yeah. it. It's pretty, it's like they're fake because they show like, so they give them headphones and they have them watch it. And then their faces of horror and disgust. There's one where she goes, I, she basically says like, I would not feed this to my dog. He's too picky. Like she's like, he's, <laughs> she's burning the rice. Like she's so mad, so pissed about the way Rachel That's Ray is cooking so Mexican funny. rice. Hey, Fantastic. I have strong feelings about Rachel Ray being a shitty cook uh, that pe- no one ever listens to me or believes me until they try one of her recipes and it doesn't fucking work uh, yeah. because she doesn't know what she's doing. Anyway, he kind of implies that even though he is out, uh, that he wants Billy to kind of tone it down for his parents. And Billy, of course, does not because how dare you ask me to do that? But also that's just not who he be. Yeah. Not only does he not tone it down, he kind of turns it up a notch. Yeah, he does. I think we only see him in those moments because when they're at dinner later on, which I love the cutaway to when they're at dinner because of just it's such a good movie. So good. It's so good. So we'll, good. we'll talk about that in a second. But like it is clear that he has been quiet for a few hours on this day out yes. with their family. Right. So I do think he did tone it down for a while on this like he group tried. outing. Yeah. But. He just right. couldn't when it was something that he was very passionate about, which I think he has every right to feel passionate about. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and because it's it's the implication that you shouldn't tell children about gay people. And he's like, some of those children are gay. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Just heads up. <laughs> like, that's how that works. Yeah. Which the whole idea of behind like we can't tell kids about LGBTQ things or whatever. And like just having the conversation that these people exist is now called grooming is insane to me. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't understand how like acknowledging that something exists in the world is also saying that you should do that thing, you know, like that is insane to me. Well, I, I also think that there, uh, you know, there are age appropriate ways to explain absolutely the existence of LGBTQIA people, you know, for every age and, and it doesn't need to be sexualized. Like just no. like for children, yeah. you're not explaining straight relationships in a sexualized way. It, it's no different really, you know? So yeah, this is a whole other like really big conversation, it is. but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. But that's like, yeah. Oh, fuck, we're about to have it. Like, I don't like, I just don't understand <laughs> when people, People are like their teachers are grooming our kids because they're talking about like just that gay people exist in the world or you know not just gay people but the yeah. whole spectrum of <sighs> sexuality exists in the world like that is not grooming that is acknowledging a fact of the world around them but the christo fascist right oh yes sees no, I understand any deviation what the problem is. from their program as a threat to yes their life. I mean, they they're doing all the steps of dehumanization yes, no, in I know. order to make it easier to do harm against gay people, against black people, especially against Muslim people, against anyone yeah. who doesn't believe in their religion and their core values, which are heteronormative, not just heteronormative, but where the woman is less than the man yes. and women's yeah, yeah. rights are like less patriarchal heteronormativity patriarchal yeah. heteronormativity which is the power structure that allows men to abuse literally everyone else at yes. all times anyways i know we should talk about this film specifically again. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway the dinner goes awry very quickly I think Billy keeps pushing back trying to make his point. Yes. And they even do the agree to disagree thing, trying to defuse it, but he can't yeah. sort of let it go, which He does ruin dinner. Like yes. in this moment you're yes. like you did like this is your first time meeting the parents. Maybe yeah. this is a second time conversation. Like I get it. I get both sides. Like I get yeah. why Aaron was like, "Hey, this is making me really uncomfortable." And I get why Billy was like, "I can't be anyone but this." Yes. And I see yeah. both of their sides. Yeah. And but in this moment, Aaron is mad cuz he's like, "You're I just want to have the holidays with my family and you need to make it a thing." And Billy, uh or Bobby, Bobby his character name. Yeah. Uh rightfully so is like you're trying to make me something I'm not. And like, mm. again, I see both sides, but they break up over this. Yes. And this, I think if I had to trim something to make the movie shorter, if I had to, it would be this next section where Billy kind of goes on a, a thing where he's taking a bunch of steroids. He's working out. He's trying to be the guy that he thinks Aaron wants. When in reality, this was not the problem. The entire time. Yeah. It was more that they could not easily communicate in that one moment and that they both were kind of in some ways holding back because they were afraid of the vulnerability of being honest with each other all the time. Yes. Yeah. So he gets roided out. 
He partially, he almost destroys a bust of Pete Buttigieg. (laughs) Um, But the lesbians hold him down because they've got their shit together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But in this section, he ends up hooking up with a guy from the gym named Joel, where he pretends and puts on kind of a butch voice. And when he reveals that that it's not his voice, I love Joel's reaction of, are you a serial killer? Yes. Are you going to kill me right now? Yeah. That yeah, would yeah, be yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they presumably spent an hour or an hour and a half together, and he's been doing this butch voice right. the whole time. If someone then was like, oh, I th- I pretended to be this character so I could have sex with you. Like, that is concerning. Yes, yes. But in fairness, we do see from previous hookups that there is not a lot of talking happening that during is hookups. True. So I would, yes. you know, ostensibly he's not doing the voice for that long, really. Okay, yeah. so maybe it wasn't 90 minutes. It was more like 25 minutes. Yeah, 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 at best. But we we cut to him at home watching the Holly Hart uh, Polly Christmas film, Holly Polly Christmas. It's God. snowing. It's snowing on all seven of us. <laughs> it's so good. So good. <laughs> but we cut to a club where he runs into Aaron and they end up going outside to talk. And Aaron is basically like, hey, I should not have handled it like that. I was in the wrong. I'm sorry. And even Billy is like, I ratcheted it up a notch. That was on me. I'm sorry too. But then he and this is something that like personally I I identified with because I think it's something that if you are not the societal beauty norm for whatever relationship you are seeking out, this is a very common occurrence of him basically accusing Aaron of like, you don't like guys like me. And I feel like that's a mistake to always put like your insecurities onto another person and be like, you don't like people like me. That person didn't say that to you. Like that person is openly apologizing to you and wants to get back together with you. Yes. You putting that insecurity onto them only hurts you. Yeah. Like you really have to be vulnerable and listen to other people. Well, and it puts them in a position where kind of no matter what, you're already telling them, I don't believe your actions or words. So even if you say like, no, I'm attracted to you, I'm still not going to believe you. You're putting them on the spot in an impossible situation because of your own insecurities. It can be very like sad and frustrating to be that person who is watching their partner do that. Yes. It is very like, please don't beat yourself up like that. Like, I want to be with you. I think you're awesome. I think you're gorgeous, whatever you're saying. And then to have them be like, but I'm not worthy of that is really what they think that's leading to that. And it breaks my heart for both of them, really. Like, because Billy, Bobby in this movie is so worthy of love. Everyone is like, and it's just so sad to me that he cannot see that to the point where it's like coming out sideways in his relationships. Yes. So sad. Well, and what, what he is really saying is not, you don't think I'm worthy. I don't think yes. I am. Yeah. But I am making it your fault <laughs> in a way. And your problem. Yes. And your problem. Yes. Yep. Anyway, so they kiss, but they do not get back together. No. Because Billy is like, I don't trust you. And this is the scene where Aaron is like, even though you think you're not worthy of that, I just know, worthy of love, just know that I think that you are like i am proving you wrong out here every day in these streets because i love you more or less is what he is indirectly saying which is so sweet but it's not necessarily what billy needs to hear at that time i guess because he just walks Uh, away i think billy has not done enough work 
internally on himself. Oh, no, to, I agree. Yeah. To hear it. Yeah, but like they don't. Yeah. Like that is the, like an end of the movie line and a reconciliation right yes. there on the spot. But like that is not what happens. Billy, they go their separate ways again. They go their separate ways. And he has an apology meeting with all the people at the museum, uh, which is very funny. And I do love that it, that it turns out that they're recording and posting it. And he's like, yeah, no, you're right. Everything should be posted. Thank you for teaching me that. <laughs> crazy. So good. Uh, but we get a, a, a little bit of a montage of Aaron seeing him in Vanity Fair and eating chocolates and realizing like, no, you know what? I am going to be a fucking chocolatier because I need to be happy regardless. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this is when he quits and runs into his coworker that is quitting also for uh, a Kamala Harris impression that she should not quit. It's for. not good. Absolutely. Keep the day job. Here's the thing. As someone currently living their dream, I can tell you nothing is more stressful or terrifying. So like, Maybe keep that day job for a while, girl. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what's not fun about being a content creator? Running a small business. Like that is what it's it the is. Worst. <laughs> like I still haven't done my taxes. I had a mental breakdown. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You have till October. Don't worry about it. Hell yeah, dude. File that extension, baby. Uh California automatically filed extensions for everybody. So it was yes. due till October because there was some sort of storm. I don't know. What is it like to live in a state that actually cares about the constituents and not <laughs> corporations? Like that just sounds amazing. We've got a gun control law on our upcoming elections. Like I'm super excited. We got two people expelled from our state house for trying to, to ask for gun control. So yeah, I we're remember. in different places. We live in a terrible state. Anyway. We cut to Aaron has made a bunch of chocolates. He's getting really good at it. And he basically FaceTimes Billy to be like, hey, I did a bunch of these for the opening of the museum. Uh, there's Harvey Milk Duds, the pink silence equals death chocolate box. Amazing. Amazing. And Love then that. the Tiramisuzan from Friends. <laughs> so good. So, so good. He's like my favorite gay TV character, Susan from Friends. Oh, so, so funny. Uh, and Billy watches some Garth Brooks and ends up writing a song for him. And like writes it himself, like in Pro Tools. Like he yeah. is, I was like, damn, is Billy Eichner like a musician? Like I didn't, I didn't know he could even sing. And he's like using Pro Tools in this movie. I was like, okay, cool. I think the character is, I don't know if he, he is, but. But he can really sing though. Yeah. Yeah. But Aaron's brother comes to crash with him because he's getting divorced. And. They're playing video games and his brother really kind of like, so do you love this guy? Because if so, you got to go fight for them, basically. That's yeah. how romance movies work. Yeah. But we cut to the museum. They did build the roller coaster and they have the <laughs> animatronic hall of bisexuals, <laughs> which is the, <laughs> the Leonardo da Vinci one is like, I'm Leonardo da Vinci, famous artist and inventor, but most importantly, I may have also been by Arrivederci. And <laughs> that's like all it says. Fun fact, he was most likely probably, yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, for like, sure. definitely, yeah. for sure. Like he definitely yes. got in trouble with the law for gay sex. Yeah. And had to be on the run and go to a different country. So like, pretty yeah. sure, yeah. Arrivederci. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he talks to his straight friend, straight lady friend, and he's like, I don't know that I want to want somebody this much. And she's like, well, vulnerability is not a boner killer. And he reveals that he wrote him a song and sees <laughs> all the people he loves dancing and having fun. So he texts him. And then I love the scene with Aaron and his brother where he's like, he me just too. texted me. What did he text you? 
hey, what's up? Fuck yeah, bro. And then they cheer. Hey, what's up? But they're like, hey, what's yeah. up? <laughs> they're like hugging and cute. doing it. It's so funny. Yes. I really love the brother dynamic there because there is sort of like a strange dynamic amongst brothers where you're not super vulnerable all the time with them. And then mm-hmm. like you do sort of have to break down that wall. And I love that that definitely comes down in the scene and they talk about his brother's divorce and his relationship. Like I, I love that dynamic. I thought it was super sweet. Yes. Super cute. We love it. We cut to the museum uh, where we see Billy Eichner giving a toast and it's a beautiful toast of like for the people that should be here, the people who aren't here, I'm glad we're here. Yeah. And you see that Aaron has made it to the museum and he turns to everybody's like, we're going to do it. We're going to do the song. So like he clearly planned it just in case. I mean, he taught it to the other board members of the know, museum. I like know. they definitely planned <laughs> With it. The like there's keyboard. no way. Yeah. There's no way he yeah, wasn't yeah. like, hey, this probably isn't going to happen, but I'm going to throw out like a lifeline to an X. If they show up, would you mind playing the guitar and keyboard for me while I sing a country song at him? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, which, which he does. And it's very, very, very sweet. But he runs out to meet him in the crowd. And he just says, I really love you. I love you too. You like love, bro? <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but then he gets down on one knee and is basically like, will you be my exclusive boyfriend and we'll reevaluate every three months? And he's like, of course I will. Absolutely. So then we see the night at the museum section that he basically built for him. So where cute. It's ben Stiller as the museum guard. Uh, which I love that he opens with, hey, queers, I'm your museum <laughs> yeah. guard, Ben Stiller. Uh, and then Eleanor Roosevelt, played by Amy Schumer, which was the joke from earlier. Yeah. Seth Meyers is Harvey Milk and Keenan Thompson is James Baldwin. I love it so <laughs> it's much. so good. It's also sort of a nod to the straight people playing gay character joke that yes. they made yes. earlier, too. So yes. it's like... Very referential to different jokes in the movie. And I loved that. Yes. It's so good. So great. It's so funny. Uh, But we cut to three months later where uh, they're basically, they'd spent time with what, again, I think are basically Billy Eichner's godchildren or of some sort. Mm -hmm. They're chosen family for sure. You know, like family. Yeah. 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 Uh, They decide to re up for another three months. And he's like, (laughs) you want kids someday. Right. And he's like, no. No, and he starts to run away. He's like, where are you running? To somewhere that I'm not having children. <laughs> I was about to say that. I love their like playful banter about something that very absolutely could end their relationship one day. 100% for sure. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. So have they seen the movie and they talked about the movie? What did you guys think about Bros? I loved it. I actually loved it as much as I did in the theater, which I wasn't sure if I was going to, but it held up for me personally I really liked it I think I didn't like it as much as in the theater but my only issue was just with the pacing and the time so I still Mm -hmm. love the core of the film I just think that there were a lot of moments that I'm like oh this is just too long like two hours just felt like too much I would have liked it maybe more at an hour and a half length but then we probably would have had to cut a lot of the history and a lot of the jokes but I think that first half like we could have gotten to the conflict a little bit sooner. Yeah. I love this movie. I thought it was great. I love how it is very respectful and like pays a lot of acknowledgement to all of the people who died 
during the act up time period. Yeah. Uh, and we have absolutely like it's very acknowledged that Billy Eichner is not of that generation and benefited from that struggle. Uh, and it's not that yeah. like, things are so good for the LGBTQ community now. It needs to get a lot better. I'm not saying that, but I love that it does acknowledge that. I also really love, and maybe this is because last week we did Jerry Maguire, but I really love that I know both of the main characters. I know like a lot about them as yeah. people. I know who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's largely because last week we knew a lot about Tom Cruise's character and I knew Renee Zellweger had a son. Yep. And that's pretty much her whole personality is like single mom. Yep. So like I love that we got like two fully fleshed out characters in this. And I think it's great. It's also Billy Eichner who I think is very, very funny. Uh, I think the first thing I ever saw Billy do was Billy on the street. And like, it was clear to me in that moment that he just couldn't like he, what he's a very funny writer, but like, he's also very just naturally funny in the moment. And I have so much yes. respect for those people. And he is just, I have a lot of respect for Billy Eichner and what he is able to do. And this is another one of those things that like, I'm blown away by how well this is written and how funny it is. It's great. Anyway, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. P-Town, fun, fun facts. facts. Uh, so we already covered that Luke McFarlane, who, who plays Aaron, has been in 14 different Hallmark movies. Hilarious. Shortly after the release of this film, a theater chain actually told Universal Studios that it wanted to pull the trailer for this film because of gay content. Really? Uh, and they didn't want to show the trailer. So not only did it have the problem of like people not going to see it, they couldn't even advertise it everywhere because some theaters were objecting and Universal convinced them not to pull the trailer. Um, But it took like meetings and convincing, which was is rough. Luke McFarlane and Billy Eichner worked specifically with an LGBT intimacy coordinator for the sex scenes, but they, they had a lot of say into what happened during the sex scenes and they got to kind of choreograph them together, which I think actually Helps them feel pretty natural, but also very funny. Sure. I think they're, yeah. I think the fact that there is a humorous aspect to a lot of them helps too. Yeah. Now, again, box office wise, uh, this movie got great reviews. It had fantastic Rotten Tomato scores and a great cinema score, but straight people did not go see it, unfortunately. The exit data for this film found the audience to be overwhelmingly gay and bisexual men which is unfortunate but that is like real data that is what happened to this movie i did mention that they make fun of queer eye while uh jay rodriguez (laughs) is playing jason's straight brother which is very funny (laughs) um this was heavily marketed as the first american gay romantic comedy from a major studio with an lgbtq principal cast however fire island which we did last pride we did yeah also a gay romantic comedy was released from a major studio but it did not get a theatrical release which is also why we did it because everyone could see it it was streaming yeah so this movie kind of gets the title because it got the wide release yeah and bowen yang's in both yeah yeah okay sorry yeah he's great he is great so technically fire island comes out first but this is the first one to get a wide theatrical release it's also the first time that billy eichner is the lead of a hollywood film and Almost every pop culture reference they have in this movie references somebody else who is also in the movie. So, for example, they make fun of Glee a handful of times. And Dot Marie Jones played Coach Beast on Glee. Yeah. Uh, And Mm -hmm. they're in the film as well. So I thought that was actually kind of interesting that they 
they willingly poke fun at things that everyone that is in this movie is also involved in. Uh, this is also the first time that Deborah Messing plays a fictionalized version of herself on film, uh, which I think is really funny. That was great. And this is the third <laughs> collaboration of Billy Eichner and Nicholas Stoller. Now, oddly enough, while the primary and secondary cast members are LGBTQ and Billy Eichner did write this movie, Nicholas Stoller, the director, is straight. But they have been comedic collaborators for years. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. We already know sort of the ultimate outcome, but let me give you some figures around it. What do you think the production budget was for Bros in obviously last year, 2022? It had to be at least 20 million because they had a lot of like stars in it. Paige, do you know or do I know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. So I I have to recuse myself. Yeah. So Andrea, your guess is almost spot on. It was $22 million. So yeah. very, very good guess. And I think you're right. It's got a lot of stars in it. It really does. It has some stars, but I my guess is that a lot of the cameo appearances might have been done at a lower rate because they just believed in the project and they saw the script and thought it was funny. Oh, So like yeah. my guess is that some of the straight actors who appear in it. Like your Ben Stillers? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is like yeah. Ben Stiller, Seth, Keenan Thompson, Amy Schumer. I feel like they're really big names and in a normal movie they would have made a lot of money even for a cameo but because of this they're like we're allies we're gonna just do it yeah so that's kind of my guess as to how they squeaked by and getting great stars with that budget yeah yeah i think you're right uh now this went into theaters on september 30th 2022 it was fifth the week it came out uh, it was beat by the number one movie that week, Smile, which we've done on Horror Virgin. Number two, Don't Worry, Darling. Number three, The Woman King. Number four was Avatar, the original one. Uh, and of course, number five was Bros. What do you think it made in its opening weekend in the theaters? Six million? Again, I know, so I unfortunately have to recuse myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine, that's fine. Uh, it was actually $4.8 million uh, in its opening weekends. Now, this movie was in theaters for a total of five weeks, so it ran from September 30th through the weekend of October 28th, uh, but it left theaters after that. Um, now, what do you mm. think it made domestically at the box office, Andrea? <laughs> Based on the conversations we've had, I'm guessing it might have made 10 million total. Yeah, you're close. It actually did a little bit better than that, though. It's 11.6 domestically and then another 3.2 internationally for a total of 14.8 million dollars on a 22 million dollar budget. I also saw that they spent in between 30 and 40 million dollars promoting this movie. So this movie did very, very badly for the studio, unfortunately, because it is. Yeah. Really great. Like, I am brokenhearted. Yes. I didn't go see it in theaters. I feel very bad I about mean, that. I wish I had. It's, it was worthy of that. Like, it's so good. I think that that is part of why Billy Eichner's like, we're putting all the history in because we're not. I think he knew we might not get another one. Yeah. F- maybe for a long time. And especially with the political climate being what it is yeah. right now across the nation, I can see it being a long time before we get another, you know, big studio rom-com 
with two, you know, gay leads. I think it'll have to be someone who is passionate about making it at the studio level Mm -hmm. doing it because everyone who's not Mm -hmm. passionate about making it at the studio level can just point to this and how it did in the box office is like, those are bad investments. We don't have to do those anymore. You know what I'm saying? Which is unfortunate because the more of this we get, the more socially and culturally it will be acceptable. And then like, it'll just get better and better for these types of movies. I think moving forward as more of them come out. It's unfortunate that this one didn't do well. Well, even if we just see more gay actors played, playing gay people on screen like even if that is all we get out of this that's what i want yeah you know like i'm just hey stop giving people oscars because they had to be gay once like chill yeah (laughs) but that is your box office so um this week i made you guys watch oh wait we gotta do the romance scale mikey usually handles that so romance scale is a scale of one to ten do we have top and bottom numbers? oh i have no idea (laughs) so So where would you put this on the romance scale speaking of top and bottom numbers yeah um... right i'm gonna give you guys a versatile (laughs) number with this one i'm I'm gonna be versed on this one for me like if it's out of five i'd give it like a four like i think it is romantic but i think that they're you know they lack some chemistry early on. There's a lot of like awkwardness in the ways that they're talking with each other, but I do think that they genuinely love each other and care about each other. Uh, So I do give it a four out of five. I'm going to give it a five out of five. I really loved it. Or five out of 10. I really love that. They're like, I know both of them in this movie yeah. and we see yeah. how they sabotage themselves and like then how they grow and overcome that like I really love movies that actually I think show a real depiction of love and how it forms yeah absolutely uh, that that is one of the biggest things for me um, I was thinking around a 5 out of uh, uh, out of 10 as well Todd which I think is probably the highest I've given anything I think it is May- uh, maybe <laughs> I may have given something a 6 once I don't remember but For me, the thing that really sells it for me for them is that they do the chemistry does grow at I feel like more of a natural pace. And we do have fully fleshed out characters who do become vulnerable with each other and don't shy away from that vulnerability. And it is tough and they do have pitfalls. But ultimately, I feel like at the end, we have a couple who truly genuinely loves being together and is openly communicative about that. Yeah. Do you guys think they're still together? I do, actually. I do. I I hope for that. But I also understand their reevaluation every three months. I straight up vibe with that. That requires a lot of open converse, like conversations about yeah. it. So I think something that I did love is like, I think that I as a I'm, I'm not straight, but I've been in a lot of straight relationships, I would say. Uh, sure. Where I think I've learned a lot from like the gay community and gay relationships of the ways that, you know, dividing labor between people in a relationship, talking things through, like, what are our roles going to be? What are you good at? What am I good at? We're reevaluating this relationship. Like, do you still want to be in this? What are you thinking? Like, I love the fact that all of this is talked about because one of the biggest issues in heteronormative relationships is that both people come to a relationship with assumed roles and yeah, both yeah. people often have different ideas about what those assumed roles are. So you spend a lot of time in heteronormative relationships fighting against someone else's unspoken expectations of you. So I love that they like reevaluate and do stuff like that in this movie and show that on screen what you just described is why i became a much better partner after couples counseling 
because like a lot of that stuff that I came into relationships with is straight up bullshit. Like, but like yeah. you never think about that. But it's just old shit. You that's like that paradigm I was born into. And I never thought mm-hmm. about it until someone was like, but why do you think that though? Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is sad. I wish I had, but that's not the way it works. And I'm sorry that third sentence didn't rhyme, but it's the <laughs> truth. Absolutely. What are we doing? So Paige, <laughs> this week I made you guys watch bros. I think it's your week. And if it's not, it's not Mikey's week because he's not here. So what are you going to make us watch next week? Uh, it, it is my week and I'm going to pick Imagine Me and You. Okay. Ooh. I don't know anything about that. Which has been recommended a bunch. Okay. Lena Headey, Piper Parabo. Parabu, Parabola, and uh, it is available for streaming everywhere. I did check. Uh, so next Good. week will be Imagine Me and You. Fantastic. Also, everyone should go watch How to Survive a Plague. It's an amazing documentary. Is it? Am I going to cry? You'll cry probably for 90 minutes after you watch it. Yeah. You could also watch Paris is Burning if you feel, feel oh, the urge. That's that one, one also is so god. Yeah. So your homework for next week is to watch, what was it called? Imagine Me and You. I hope I remember when it comes time to watch it. So Andrea, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. It's almost, It feels very natural so when you're here. Yeah. I miss you and I love you. I love I you both. Too. I'm you're so glad best. to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Can you tell people where they can get more of what you do? Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a website. I sell art. I'm an artist for a living. Uh, you can buy my art at andreagazetta.com. You can find me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. Todd will definitely spell my name correctly in the episode, so you can just look at that. I will because I will copy and paste it because I am that <laughs> bad at spelling. I don't even trust myself. Two Z's, two T's, baby. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I also have a podcast called Podvant Guard where we do talk a lot about queer erasure. So I highly recommend that episode about Frank Lloyd Wright. Paige is a guest on those. Oh, and there's awesome. a cult. It's three parts. It's fucking fire. So yeah, I check those out. It's a good time. Awesome. Pod guard. Yep. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you so much. We always appreciate you uh, filling in when we need someone to fill in. I'll be Mikey any day. I love it. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige... Gets around and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So, guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And, guys, we got a P.O. box. So, if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box, it's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Andrea. And I'm Todd. (laughs) And you complete us. To completion. (laughs) (laughs) I actually am versatile, so like... A lot of people is. He's a top or a bottom, ladies. Ladies.